Welcome to the Build Podcast, a ministry of the Next Gen team of First Baptist Owasso. We believe the next generation, the children being raised right now, will change the world. They matter to God, to you, and to us. In this episode of Build, Mark Jones talks about the seven desires of your child's heart. Every day you can make a difference in a life of a child. You are not alone. This is Build. And so 
they don't have all of the right words. They haven't gathered up all the terminology to try to describe something. And so often we hear our kids, or my daughters for sure, they just call everything weird because they didn't have any, any better description. We'd have to like drill down. What's so weird about that like? And try to figure out what is the real problem. So we have to listen and not interrupt. If, if they get to a place that they can't, like they start a sentence and they can't finish it, like they're stuck, if you'll just repeat back the last few words they said, they'll finish the sentence. And that's the next point. Repeat back. If you'll just repeat back what they just said, they'll finish the sentence. And repeating back their words really shows how you're listening. The last one's probably the most important. I want to point out to you, and that is eye contact. Eye contact. Now, the reason this is so important is because they also cannot hear you if they don't uh, have eye contact with you, which is weird, right? How can you be in the same room as me saying whatever? You can't hear me. Well, every one of us has done it. They've been glued to something else. They're in their own world. And even though you're saying, turn the TV off, they can't hear you because they're not looking at you. Even in a classroom with children, I have to say, boys and girls, look at Mr. Mark. Look, look at Mr. Mark. And they look at me, and I even, if I don't have them all, I have to say, here, but look at Mr. Mark. Now I give the instruction for what to do next. Because they can't hear you if they're not looking at you. Isn't that weird? But it's true. So be mindful that if you're yelling from another room, you don't have a chance. That, that was never going to work. And, and you're only making yourself exasperated by doing that, by yelling from another room. It would be better for you to walk to them and get their attention and walk them back to whatever it is that they need to see. Sometimes you can yell loud enough and threaten something, it works. Yeah. <laughs> my mother would but use all of our names, the whole names, you know. That would like make a shiver. <laughs> I just don't want you to. to um, be a yeller. Don't you know who are yellers? They yell, yell. Yeah. I hate this. They yell all the time. We don't know who's the dog and who's the children because it's just yelled at them all. all. So I, I just want to say look for eye contact. But the same is true. They don't think you're listening to them. You're hearing them if you're not looking at their eyes. So. I, I have a granddaughter, her name's Charlie. When she was two years old, I was visiting her. We were going to go do some fun things. I had her in my arm, but she is two, right here, right here. I'm walking to the sink with this coffee cup. I'm going to rinse it out and leave it so we can go. And on the way, she says, Coffee steak, can you go and do this and that? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be great with me. And I got into the kitchen and I was turning on the water. She said, Poppy, today, can we go and do this and that same, same expression? I said, sounds great to me. <laughs> and I was again washing up and turned it off. And she grabbed my face and pulled it around. <laughs> She's right here. Like, this is how close. And so she gets my eye contact. She says, Poppy, today, can we go and do this and that? Yes, she was like, good. <laughs> she didn't hear the other two times that I said it. And she was right there. And it was that eye contact. She moved my head to be looking at hers. So I want to challenge you. If you're, how many of you are with preschool children up to kindergarten and through kindergarten? Great. All right. How many elementary kids? All right. Any teenagers? Good, good. So here's, here's an eye contact solution. <laughs> if, whenever you have preschoolers, it is going to have to be definitely eye contact. There's really no other way. And then you get to elementary, it's going to be hit and miss, but eye contact will always be a win. When you get to be teenagers, you're looking for eye contact when you're talking with them, because they're not <coughs> at you. And so you have to be looking at them fast. The exception is, unless it's an awkward conversation. If it's an awkward conversation with your child or your teenager, then it's 
conversations, what I mean by that is, um, let's talk about your client capacity. Just got bad news. Like, oh, what are you talking about? It's like, here's what we're going to do. So now we're going to wash the dishes. Come on in. I'm going to wash, you're going to rinse. You can make this last as long as you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's fantastic. 
I love the way you do. Every time you say, it's wonderful. People say things like that to us. It feels so good. It just it gives you like a real uh, boost in who you are that you can go farther. And so parents, when you recognize things in your children that they're doing, tell them how well it is that you notice. Affirm them that they're doing well. It gives them the energy or the idea they could risk more, go farther, try to do more. When I was a little boy, I was sitting, our family used to take a thing called the newspaper. You all remember that? And so, and, and so we had the, the Sunday Times, the whole section. And so anyway, I took it out and I was drawing on some paper, one of the, the captions, I was just drawing it. And I finished drawing, my mother walked by and she was like, No idea you could draw. And I said, for me either. <laughs> so she said, draw another one. That's so good. I'm like, okay. And so I sat and drew another one. <clears throat> she went on and on that I could draw. We had to go and get a pad of paper and a book that had stuff that I was interested in to draw. And so I started drawing. She began telling her friends, go get that book. I want to show her what you drew. And I was like, it's like, I mean, the affirmation of this was a great. So I did. And she later, she said, now listen, I want you to come in here and watch this. It's on a Saturday. She turned it on channel 13. <laughs> she said, it's a fuzzy-headed man. <laughs> and she said, this is called oil painting. And I think you can do it. And I was just looking at this hair. Because we're not staying much longer than that. You could have been dead. No, I got that in one 
is affirmation, attention, affection. This is what your children need from you. Affirmation, attention, affection. And so, of course, I'm thinking, I've only got three hours. What do we mean by the life? Is there a way we could do like one thing to get it all in? idea of go out and throw a ball is a pretty good one because you can get attention, affection, and affirmation just doing that. And so I understand we can throw frisbee, we can do, even just go on a walk. You, you definitely could do that. All of those things would be great to set aside time and do it. Then I began to think about what about fold the laundry? <laughs> We were working that broom, and I said, I love doing this with you. This is so, look how good you're doing. She's like, I am, aren't I? She's like sweeping the leaves, you know? I said, that's great. And there's this lawn chair, so I just opened it up. <laughs> Sat down. I mean, she's doing so good. I can talk from sitting. So I talked to her and coached her as she's doing it. My son came through. I know what you're doing. I said, we're just sweeping the garage. Charlie said she had never done it. Look how good she's doing. He looked at me. Like I said, everybody has to learn life skills. This is our day. So, great job. Loved it. I only had to like do a little bit. It was great. Are y'all with me on that? Throw, throw the ball, the frisbee. I love all that. Do that. But sweep the garage too. It's a good thing. Good. We have all had people in our life who, who we love to be around because they gave us affirmation. But on the other side of that, we've also been around people who were critical, who criticized us. Your hair, why do you do your hair that way? You know that's too short. You know those don't match. Why are you wearing that today? It's so hot. You know, they, I think they thought they were being helpful in their way. And we saw that as criticism. We had this lady at church. I won't tell you where because you're related to her. But she, she was very critical about everything. She thought she was helping. But I didn't even like being around her because <laughs> I couldn't do anything right. And so I was in the grocery store, had my buggy. I was going around the aisle. I was like, oh, there she is. Oh, I don't need anything down there. I don't need anything in the store. I got to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, get away from her. That's what happens if we're constantly needling our kids about stuff. You're not helping. You need to be affirming. Ask questions, you know, why are you wearing a sweater when it's 92 degrees? I wanted to ask a lady that at church today, like, why are you wearing it? It must have been new. And so I can't figure it out. It's hot today. Didn't you think it's hot? Anyway, sweater. Okay, that's not the point. So anyway, we... We have to realize, you know that voice in your head that's always playing, that self-talk voice over and over, that comes up again and again? I want you to know that voice in your children's head is your words. So think about the way you're approaching this. Approach with affirmation. Approach with that because... That's what's going to be playing. That's what they're hearing are your words. And that's what you want them to hear is affirmation. 
to keep pressing into it, go further. I love to say to my kids when it gets really bad, and I have to say, I'm so glad that you've got grit because anybody else would quit right now, but that's not who you are, is it? I just know that you're going to finish this because that's who I've seen do this before. That's you. That's what you're made of, isn't it? And they're like, yeah. (laughs) Gracie went to um, Poland a few years ago. She was 16 years old. She wanted to go to Poland and serve and the whole summer and missions. And and I said, that would be great. I'd love for you to do that. And she said, well, the missionary said I could just I meet them. They'll, they'll meet me at the airport. And I said, wait, wait, no, wait. you're 16. Like, you're flying through Germany. <laughs> it's not in English in Germany. It's in German. <laughs> and um, I don't, I, you can't, you're 16. You can't do that. Well, I'll be fine. I said, well, I appreciate your confidence. I really do. Remember that movie Taken? I'm not that dad. (laughs) Like, that's a pretty serious deal. Oh, she cried rivers because I wasn't going to let her go by herself to to Poland. I said, well, you'll have to find a way. And so she did. She found a group through the IMB. She applied. She went with a group. They were all older than her going to college. And she just joined up with them in, um, in Atlanta. They met her at the gate when she got off. They were in a group. They stayed with their chaperone all the way to Poland, spent the summer, and she called the first week that they began working in the orphanage. And um, it was a weird time of day. It was midnight there, so it was a weird time of day. And she was calling, so I knew it had to be important. So I pulled over, and she said, she just started crying. And I said, oh, my gosh, are you hurt? Are you bleeding? And she said, because that's kind of a weird feeling, scary, when they're around the world and they're crying. And uh, she said, no, I'm not bleeding. (laughs) I said, well, you're going to take a deep breath and tell me what's going on. And she said, well, these kids, they're so mean. (laughs) I said, oh, Polish kids are turds just like like American kids. (laughs) She said, yes, but it's in a different language. So of course they're kids. I mean, <laughs> please. And she said, "Well, I don't know what to do." And everybody, I said, "What did the other girls do?" She said, "Well, they they called their families and lied to them. Said everything was fine. <laughs> they didn't want them to worry." And I said, "Well, I'm glad you didn't." She said, "Well, I told them we're going to tell you what's going on, and tell us what to do." And so I began to talk through some things that they needed to try to do in order to lead the kids, rather than the kids. The kids were just playing them. Is all it was. And, uh, and I said, I know you're the youngest one, but you're going to have to step up and lead. It's your time. Like, you have it in you. You know how to lead. You're going to have to do it. And it's going to be hard work. It's not going to be easy. Because you said, Lord, I will go and serve you, and this is your moment that it's going to cost you. And when you're tired at night and you lay your head down... You say, Lord, this is my sacrifice of praise to you. I pay this cost for you, Lord. And you give that to him as a gift. And get up and do it again because you're going to lead them. But you have to decide if you're going to make that happen or not. You're going to have to dig deep. And I could feel her bow up. (laughs) She said, okay, I'll do it. I said, all right. I know you will. I'll pray for you. I got a report from the missionary just randomly through Facebook. She said, I don't know what it is, but Gracie has began to lead this group. I mean, I asked the other girls, what are y'all doing? They're like, just ask Gracie. We'll just do whatever she says. And I thought she really did it. And at the end, they asked her to speak to the church and say how her experience had been. And she got to say, it was my sacrifice of praise to lay before the Lord. So we have to be ready to go in and affirm them and tell them what they can do because they can do it and and challenge them. Okay, well, let's keep going. I got a little long on point number two. So when is this class over, y'all? Like, 
Okay. Okay, good luck. Here we go. Okay. Number three. I can do it. You're so great. I love it. Number three is to be blessed. Is to be blessed. It's it's when affirmation is what you do, but blessed is being loved for who you are. That's what the blanks are. It's being loved for who you are. It's when you say to your child, you're special to me. Um, When you say to the child, I love you. I want to be with you. We're all special in somebody's eyes. And we just need to make sure our children, our grandchildren know that about us. Uh, one One of the things that Mr. Rogers said, and I have such great respect for him. He said whenever he was a little boy... He would go walking in the field. On Sunday, they would go to the grandparents' house for lunch after church. And then he would walk in the field with his grandfather, who, by the way, his last name was McFeely. Do you remember Mr. McFeely, Speedy Delivery? That's who it was named after, was his grandfather. And his grandfather would say to him, I like you just the way you are. It's a really pretty powerful statement. And so when you say to your children, I like you just the way you are, it is so helpful. That's such a great statement. He, he said that all the time on his, on his television show. Girls are comparing, boys are competing. And so um, there's this, this going on all the time. And I see it even with the kindergartners that I teach. Girls comparing, boys competing. And we have to remind our kids, I like you just the way you are. And so we, we use that kind of terminology in telling them that we love them, that we accept them. I'm a little worried about, and we should really be thinking about the social media that girls are so involved in because I feel like the comparing thing is so dangerous when it gets to social media. It's like pouring gas on it. It's just exploded. And things that should be um, juvenile in this comparing thing has turned into adult women really struggling with this. And they, they shouldn't have to any longer. They, that should be gone. Boys in the competing and stuff, uh, trying to get to the place where boys can just know, I don't have to prove myself anymore. Stop, stop the, the proving. And so much energy that goes into that over and over and over. Um, so helping them know that they're loved just the way they are. Matter of fact, he, his, his grandfather would put him in the car, and on, on the last thing he would say as he got in the car to go home, he would say, Fred, today you made it special for me because you were here. That's a way of blessing. He didn't have any choice. He had to be there. <laughs> but the grandfather said it every time. Today was special for me because you were here. Those are the kind of words our kids need to hear from us. And so I wanted to say to my kids every morning as they were getting out of the car, I wanted to say and did every morning, I love you, you're special to me, I hope you have a happy day. And so I say it to all the kindergartners now on Sunday morning when they leave, I tell them the same thing. And so we were in the truck going to school. Zach was in the fourth grade and Wes was in the second grade. We were going to the second grade drop-off first. We, got the, we pulled the truck into the, um, the long drop-off line, you know, the one that wraps around the city. Things forever long. And so we're in the line. We're ooching up a little at a time. We kind of make around the, the playground. We get over to the, um, to the drive. When you pull in the drive, like, you're locked in till it's over. There's no getting out of that. So you pull in the drive. I was pulling up a little at a time. I turned the the radio off. Zach and I had been singing. I turned the radio off and and I said, um, Wes, I love you. I hope you have a happy day. Nothing. I moved up in line. Wes, I love you. I hope you have a happy day. Nothing. I moved up in line. Did you hear me? I said I love you. <laughs> he didn't even look at me. He just took his seatbelt off. He put on his backpack opened the door, got out, started walking. 
Just roll the window down. Did you hear me? I said, I love you. He starts walking a little faster. I pull up in line. I love you. As hard as I could out the window. He starts running, second grader legs. People in the playground, they stop. They're looking. Teachers are laughing. I pull up under the portico. He is running. I am honking the horn. I love you. As loud as I could out the window. And he runs into the building, shuts the door, and looks back at me and smiles. And I thought, oh, there it is. He's thinking, my dad has gone bonkers in the drop-off line. I just like roll the window up. I'm driving to the next stop, you know. You know how it is. You just drive. So I roll it up. Well, Zach comes up out of the floorboard. (laughs) He comes up and he's like, "Um, Dad. And I was like, what? Like, no big deal. And he said, well, um, don't do me. But a dad's got to do what a dad's got to do. <laughs> so we got over to the fourth grade drop-off. <laughs> and I said, Zach, I love you. I hope you... <gasps> I love you too! <laughs> or anything you get out of hand. <laughs> it was so great. I ended up making that into a children's book. Because it was so fun to read it again and again. And my kindergartners, they love to read that. So I have it at mrmarksclassroom.com if you want to see it. Anyway, so much fun. I put the verse there because I wanted you to notice Matthew 3:17. It says, this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. It's talking about Jesus. And it's at his baptism. And Jesus comes up out of the water And the voice from heaven, like a dove descending, said, This is my son, whom I love. In him I am well pleased. And you might say, Well, yeah, I am pleased. It's Jesus. (laughs) And I just want to point out something very important. Jesus' ministry started after his baptism. He he hadn't done any miracles. No healing. No feeding the five thousand. That all happened after his baptism. That's when his ministry started. He had just been Jesus, and then he was baptized, and the father said, this is my son whom I love, in him I'm well pleased. It kind of sounds like I love you, you're special to me. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I love that God blesses Jesus. So, we need to bless our, is there anything your children could do to make you stop loving them? The answer is No. Now, they can grieve your heart, and mine has been wrenched. And you can cry buckets of scared fear and be so sad, and they can grieve your heart, but it's only because you love them, and you maybe even love them more because you want different for them. And so I challenge you to speak of your love to them. Number four is to be safe. To be safe. Safe Um, when we feel safe, we have freedom and confidence to explore and try new things. Let me give you a few examples. I think you will understand safety. And one is materially secure, that we want to be materially secure. We got to know, have a place to live, food to eat. There's money, maybe an emergency fund. You know, you won't feel safe until these things are all, you know, checked off. We've got to have these things. All right, another one is spiritually secure. You've got to know that God's not going to pull the rug out from under you. And if if you've been a Christian very long, you already know how faithful he is. And again and again, how he proves that to you, his faithfulness. And so we see spiritual security. But the last one is the one your children probably are going to need the most. It's emotionally secure emotionally secure they need to know that they have reliable people around them that they can count on people that love them and if i can say a safe person a person i can go to and a lot of times they vent they'll vent things on you because you are their safe person 
Now, there could be a correct way to do that when they're so angry. And you can say, I know you are angry. Now, let's think how we're going to talk about this. I want to help, but we, we have to do this right. And so help them do it. I know one family who, who installed a punching bag <laughs> in the basement. I thought it was brilliant. And they take turns. If you got a bat, you just go on down and have some time first and then come back. And so being able to give that emotional security. My friends, Brad and April Clay, took their, their preschooler to have ear surgery. And we weren't sure what damage he was going to have after the surgery, but it was going to be extensive and possibly lose his hearing completely. So they were scared to death. It was a very, very difficult surgery. And so I was sitting with them in the pre-op really early that morning, and there were Legos, and we were talking and laughing. And in my mind, I'm even thinking, oh, this must not be as bad as, as I thought it was. Like, I must have read something or heard something wrong because this doesn't seem so bad. Oh, it's so jovial, so much fun. And um, then the time came, the man came to take uh, Matthias back. And the gurney, uh, and we were joking about, do you have a driver's license? How long have you been driving this? And, and that kind of thing. And it was fun. I prayed with them and uh, then uh, noticed that they both were like, okay, buddy, we'll see you in just a little bit. Oh, we love our doctor. He's wonderful. They went on and on about all the people that they love doing this surgery. So this is going to be great. Okay, we'll see you. And so as he's pulling out, it doesn't seem like any big deal. Like he, he even as they're going down the hall, he looks back at them one more time and they're like, okay, see you later. It's going to be great. And they're just like, and I, I'm so confused by the whole thing. He gets to the very end. He turns the corner and he's gone. He looks back again to be sure. Is this going to be okay? You know? And again, they're giving him the thumbs up. It's all great. And I looked at them and said, I thought this was a really serious surgery. Like, not just a little procedure, like it was going to be serious. And, and they both just fell apart and just started crying and weeping because they were so scared of what was ahead. They didn't know. They hoped they'd made the right choice. They were really nervous about what was going on, and they were petrified. And finally, that was what I thought it was about. But what, what I said to them was, you are so amazing how you just gave your strength to the, your son. Like, that was so incredible that you gave him that strength that he could go without that fear because you trusted all of this so much. I just commend you. Of course, we had to sit down. We were, we were too scared to even stand any longer and to upset. Now, let me tell you what happened just a couple of weeks ago. A family was dropping off a two-year-old in Sunday school, you know, that's a scary place. <laughs> and so they're bringing this guest, they're bringing their two-year-old. The two-year-old's pleading, like making such a scene, pleading, don't put me in there, like she'll die. But she won't. <laughs> we all know, you put them in, it'll be fine in two minutes, maybe less. And so she's pleading, pleading, pleading. And the parents are like, I don't know, I mean, it's a nail-biter for them. It's horrible. And so my associate, she's trying to explain, this is Miss Brenda. She'll be, it'll be great. They're going to be wonderful. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's true. And so, and then this child's like, no, doing all this number. I walked over to the dad and put my hand on his shoulder and just said, just give her your strength and like put her in there. It'll be fine. Just tell her it'll be fine. You'll be back. And I walked away because I thought it could be so embarrassing now that I've said something that I need to walk away. So I back later to find out what happened, and that's when I was told they got in their car and went home. They just couldn't do it. They didn't give her their strength. There's something about security when a, when a safe person says, this is the way it is, do it, and that's all there is. We can't be open to negotiations. If you ever open the door to negotiations... Ooh, you'll never get it shut. It's so bad. When you say something, it's got to be. We never negotiate with the terrorists. 
just, y'all, we don't. So careful. I have parked a full basket of groceries ready to be checked out and go home when the cereal aisle caused the worst fit there ever was in mankind. And so I picked him up. And we walked over. I pushed the buggy to check her, and she said, are you ready? I said, no. You watch this. Don't put a single thing up. We'll be back in a minute. And she said, okay. And I said, I mean it. Don't put anything up. She's like, I won't. <laughs> and I took, and he was all the way out. No, daddy, no, no, no. Because what I said was, we're not going to have it. I'm going to fix this right now, and we're going to go do it. And I went all the way home. We went through the regular routine of how we deal with this. I put him back in the car seat. We drove right back up there, and we checked out. And I took in the kid going, but we checked out. (laughs) And the little girl, she's like nervously. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I only had to do that once. Thank goodness. Um, Let's go on. Number five is to be touched. To be touched. Um, if a baby is crying, what do you do? Yeah, pick him up. You comfort him. You help him so that he can uh, stop. And I think there's research that says skin-to-skin touch is the most comforting. So that must be why we hold hands at funerals. Like, we just, we just need each other at those really hard times. I know there's appropriate touch and inappropriate touch. I'm talking about appropriate touch. There are times your children just want to be near you. They jump in your lap because they're so excited to be with you. And so before you get too upset about all of how much they're touching you, it's one of their needs. They need to know that you're right there. They want to hold your hand. Later on, they won't want to even say you're their parents. So so take it while you can. I remember even with my kids, we used to hook arms and skip through the church parking lot to our car. Didn't seem so bad. We're always the last to leave. (laughs) There's hardly anybody there. So we skipped through the parking lot. And then they wanted to do it at Walmart. So I did. So I'm just saying, how can you still have that touch with them? It's a really big deal. And uh, here's a big help, dads for you what I learned having the boys and then the girls it was like two different families and so the boys they they would need to be comforted and such but the girls emotions I had never seen such like what where does this come from like this comes in from the deep I have no idea Like I don't understand and so I I found myself trying to say well, what'd she say? Well, what'd you do? Well, what'd they say? And, and they can't even talk. They're just like, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, well, we can't even get anything done here. I can't fix this, you know, because they can't quit crying. What happened was they were a tidal wave of emotion and I was logical thinking. I was like a brick wall, just trying to think through it logically because that's the way we're wired. Fix it. And so when I learned, when I learned that the tidal waves have to crash and be done before we can talk, then it made all the difference. So they walked in, they're crying, and I just held them in my lap until the, until the tidal wave stopped and just held them. Don't say anything, just hold them. And then when it all stops, you can talk. That happened Every time they got older and older and older and girls get mean. Why is it that girls are so mean? So, and then there's all the crying that has to follow all the mean girls. And so anyway, there was lots of holding and there still is. Okay, that's just for you dads, but it works for moms too. It works on moms too. And so, (laughs) just saying. (laughs) Okay, number six, because they're girls. (laughs) You just have to recognize it. Own it. All right. Number six is to be chosen. Is to be chosen. 
It's wonderful when you're chosen. It's like being chosen for a date or for the prom or, or for a part or, or for a job. You're chosen. It's like such an, a great thing to feel chosen. But look, when it starts when you're young. And when you're not chosen, you develop feelings of, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. Uh, I, I'm not as good as others. And so we have to say to things to our children like, uh, I want to be on your team when we play. I, I want to come to your school during this thing. I'm gonna, I want to coach your team. When I told my, my kids I was going to be the PTO president, they thought I was the president of the world. Like, it's like, no, I'm just running the fundraisers. <laughs> so it, 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 it's such a big deal to them when you choose to be in their world if you're the assistant coach or if you're uh, just going to school to eat with them, you choosing them. Um, uh, when you say things to kids like, I'm so glad you're my kid. I'm so glad uh, that, that you're in my life. Those things are huge. The last one is to be included. To be included. It's different than being chosen. And what I mean by that is, let me put it in your world, you can be chosen for a job, but then not included in the lunch meeting, not included in the hallway conversation. You see what I'm saying? We have to look for ways to include our children in our world. Are you going to, maybe you go on a mission trip and choose one of them to go with you. It doesn't have to be a mission trip. It could just be a service project right here in town doing something together, choosing them, and then including them in your world, connecting with them. So it reminds us that we're not alone. And children, uh, we need to open up with our kids and start connecting. Look for ways that you can connect with them. What things do you have in common? What things do you like? When other families come over, can you play games together? Because you can and they're a lot of fun to play those games with as well. Good. Well, our time is up. I had a lot more stories, but that'll have to wait. You can see more at mrmarksclassroom.com. Thanks for listening to Build. Our desire is to walk with you. We hope the episode helps you better understand your kids and engage with them more intentionally. The Build conversation never ends. Visit fbcowasso.org to stay connected and discover an incredible community of people who are on this journey together. We look forward to building an incredible story with you.